Hello, I'm Chris Fergonis at Jones Day, and I represent the petitioners in Free Enterprise Fund versus Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. In this case, petitioners challenged the constitutionality of the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, the independent regulatory agency created by the Sarbanes-Oxley Act to regulate the accounting profession in the wake of the Enron scandal. Petitioners' challenge is premised on the contention that, in trying to insulate the board from political pressures, Congress improperly stripped the President of his power and responsibility to appoint and remove federal officers exercising executive power. In his dissent from the Court of Appeals' decision upholding the board, Judge Kavanaugh called this the most important separation of powers case in the past 20 years. And it is because the board is a completely new type of governmental entity that goes well beyond the traditional independent agency model, which to date has represented the outer limit of Congress's ability to insulate a federal regulatory agency from presidential influence. If the court endorses the board in this case, then the board's structure will invariably serve as a blueprint for the creation of other powerful regulatory agencies. The board is a unique entity. It was modeled after the self-regulatory organizations like the New York Stock Exchange and the National Association of Securities Dealers. But those self-regulatory organizations are private entities that do not exercise governmental power. By contrast, as an entity created and empowered by Congress, the board is a governmental entity for constitutional purposes. This entity exercises broad executive power, including the power to set auditing standards, to inspect and investigate accounting firms to ensure their compliance with those standards, to impose heavy sanctions for non-compliance, and to levy a tax on public corporations. Because the Constitution vests the President with the executive power, the Board's exercise of that executive power must ultimately be traceable back to the President. He must, in other words, retain some measure of control over the Board's exercise of his executive power. This is not some mere formalism. Respecting the separation of powers is crucial to protecting individual liberty through public accountability. The electorate must be able to identify which political actor is ultimately responsible for the exercise of government power and, when necessary, vote that actor out of office. And in the case of executive power, the responsible actor, of course, is the president. The framers in the Supreme Court have identified the president's power to remove an officer as the most potent tool for control because once an officer is appointed, in the words of the court, it is only the authority that can remove him that he must fear and, in the performance of his functions, obey. And while the Supreme Court has held in Humphrey's executor and Morrison v. Olson that Congress may place some limits on the president's power to remove in order to give certain officers some measure of independence from political control, it is made equally clear that Congress may not completely strip the president of his power to remove executive officers. With the board, Congress has done just that. It provided that only the SEC can remove board members, and only for a willful abuse of authority. And under Humphrey's executor, the SEC is itself an independent agency whose commissioners the president can only remove for cause. Thus, board members are shielded from presidential control by two layers of for-cause removal. As both a theoretical and a practical matter, therefore, it is virtually impossible for the president to translate his dissatisfaction with board policies into the removal of a board member. Congress also systematically eliminated every other means of presidential control or influence over the board. Significantly, unlike with the members of, and commissions of every other federal regulatory agency, the president does not appoint board members. He has absolutely no power to review or correct their work product. Importantly, too, the government has offered no reason why the board needed to be structured in this manner. 
The independent council was upheld in Morrison in part because of the inherent conflict of interest that arises from the president and his aides investigating themselves. No such institutional problem exists or is even claimed to exist here. Board members are also appointed by the SEC in violation of the Appointments Clause. That clause, too, furthers political accountability by ensuring that principal officers are appointed by the President with Senate confirmation. Board members are principal officers who must be appointed in this manner because they run their own agency and do not personally answer to anyone. The government incorrectly contends that board members are supervised and directed by the SEC. But again, removal is key to effective supervision, and the Sarbanes-Oxley Act prevents the SEC from removing board members except for egregious and willful misconduct. One hardly supervisors, supervises an inferior if he cannot dismiss the purported inferior for policy differences. The SEC's ability to review the board's rules and sanctions is no substitute for a broad power to remove board members. And in any event, the SEC has no power to exercise day-to-day -day supervision over the board's core executive and prosecutorial functions of inspecting and investigating accounting firms. Even if board members were inferior officers, their appointments would still violate the Constitution because they are not made by the head of the department. The Constitution permits Congress, as an administrative convenience, to vest the appointment of inferior officers in the heads of departments. But the Supreme Court has made clear in its Freitag decision that only entities like cabinet departments, whose heads are directly answerable to the president and therefore share his accountability to the people, qualify as departments under the clause. The SEC, however, is an independent agency beyond the president's supervisory control, and like the independent agency in Freitag, therefore cannot be vested with appointment power. Board members are also not appointed by the head of the SEC, its chairman, but rather by the SEC as a whole. In sum, the board is a unique entity that is doubly insulated from presidential control through the power of removal, and that should be appointed by the president, or at a minimum, by the head of a cabinet-like department, not an independent agency. The board, therefore, must be invalidated as unconstitutional.